Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. A lot of people felt the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line got better as the season moved along, and I think that's an accurate thing. But here in the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm Chris Carter. We'll be joined by Ray Fittipaldo for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and we're going to talk about should this still be the primary focus for this team to improve in the offseason? That's a question that we'll answer right here. We'll also talk about what we saw on Wild Card Weekend with the Bengals just beating the Ravens and a few of the other things we saw. It's going to be a fun episode on a Monday. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. And welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipato, and we're breaking things down for you here on a Monday. As always, you can find this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and especially on YouTube. If you're watching this video on YouTube, hit the like button on the video. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast, as well as our daily episodes and content that come out on all things Pittsburgh sports right here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And as always, our show is brought to you by the Accurate Fan Advantage. All season long, you got to project a a uh, Pittsburgh or a, a Post Gazette Steelers beat writer into your home or office, breaking things down, getting you ready for Steelers games. You got the latest insights on starting lineups and key matchups. If you want to stick keep up with that, go to post Gazette or post gazettecom slash Accurate Fan Advantage. You don't have to download just insider access to Steelers updates at post gazettecom slash Accurate Fan Advantage and get a real edge on 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 the Steelers. Ray. How did it feel having a weekend where you didn't have to go to a game and work it the whole time? Well, I got to tell you, you know, uh, the longer the Steelers season went on, Chris, I was kind of looking forward to continuing to cover that team going into the playoffs because they were actually playing pretty darn well down the stretch. But, uh, yeah, for once I got to sit on the couch and uh, (laughs) just enjoy uh, Saturday and Sunday football. And if I learned one thing from this wild card weekend, take the over. All the overs hit. My goodness. It was amazing how many points were scored. And those were some teams that actually played pretty good defense during the season. So, um, hey, goes to show you got a quarterback um, entering the playoffs, you're going to have a chance. And I, I think we saw that with all those great comebacks over the weekend. Absolutely. We'll get to some of those comebacks and the crazy things that happened this weekend in just a bit. But I wanted to start off about the Steelers offensive line, because as you talked about, the Steelers were an improving team to get to the end of the season. And I think one of the biggest things that improved was the offensive line. They were terrible to start the season. They were giving up pressures. They were not run block. They couldn't run block to save their lives. Najee Harris was like running into three guys all the time. But in the second half of the season, especially after the bye, that group got a lot better. And it got to the point where Mason Cole was a reliable center. James Daniels, I thought, turned into the guard that they got in free agency, that they paid to have in, in free agency. And I, I'll even say, I thought Kevin Dotson, he had his, his ups and downs, but I thought he played a lot better, especially in the last month or so. But that, Dan Moore Jr., Chikuma Korfor, all things aside, 
did that group do enough to say for the Steelers, maybe you don't need to spend, you know, a whole bunch on free agency in the NFL draft to fix this group right away. Maybe, you know, you still draft a guy second, you know, late with your second, second round pick or a third round pick, but did they do enough for that? Or is this still the group that you think Mike Tom and Omar Khan wants to address the most this offseason? I think they found a few of uh, their pieces going forward. Let's put it that way. So I think free agency is probably out of the mix this year. You look at the money they spent on a core for uh, the money they spent on Daniels and uh, on Mason Cole last year in March, uh, I think it was upwards of 76 million over the lives of those contracts. Yeah. And you mentioned that I, I thought those guys played really well, especially Cole and, uh, and, and Daniels. I mean, I thought as the season went on, they really solidified uh, the interior of that Steelers offensive line. And I know people have issues with a core four. He's not a great run blocker. He's That's not, not who he is. Um, but he only allowed two sacks all season, Chris. And yep. gave up some pressures, but he only allowed two sacks all season. So I think they are set going forward. Center, right guard, right, right tackle. I, I think those guys are under contract. And I think they're part of the solution. Uh, for me, I still think you keep – you mentioned, well, you know, not using one of your first two picks on linemen. I wouldn't go there, depending on how the board falls. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the draft, and, you know, I'm going to be writing about this in the coming weeks. I'll be at the Senior Bowl here in about two weeks. What you got to do is you look got to look at the positions of strength in this draft, mm -hmm. okay? Is the offensive tackle group deep? Is it shallow? Uh, what's the cornerbacks like? Mm -hmm. What are the outside linebackers, the inside linebackers like? How about the interior defensive tackles? So mm -hmm. when you go and stack, stack your draft board, and we saw this a couple years ago when Kevin Colbert talked to us. I think it might have been during the COVID year, but it was a really, really deep group of interior linemen, he thought, and that's the year they got Kendrick Green and they got Dan Moore. Um, now, Kendrick Green hasn't worked out, but I'm just talking to you about the way the front offices – stack their, their their draft boards, mm -hmm. okay? If it's a deep class, you don't necessarily have to pull that trigger in round one or round two if there are going to be quality guys there available. So a lot of this has to play out. You know, you got the senior bowl first. You got the combine. You got three months of this before the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. As I sit here today, I would still not roll out the Steelers using their first or their early second round pick on an offensive tackle. I still think it's a position of need. It yeah. got a lot better this year, but if you could put that guy who gets you over the top mm -hmm. next season, they went from 29th to 16th in rushing. Yeah. Okay. If they can go and add somebody who can push you into the top 10, I think you do it. If they can make you an even better pass protecting team. And I know the protection issues somewhat got resolved from the first half to the second half. Mm -hmm. But if you can add a better pass protector than Dan Moore, uh, perhaps a guy who's just a little bit better athlete and won't be penalized as much when he does get beat, I think you do it. So that's kind of where I am right now. We're still very early in this process, but I would not rule out, rule them, uh, roll out the possibility of the Steelers still using one of their first two picks um, on a tackle. It's a premium position, Chris. And, uh, you know, I, I think long-term the Steelers probably still have to address that.
No, I agree. It, it is a premium position, and it'll be really interesting to see where this class falls because right now it seems like there's a consensus on three guys being definite first-round picks, and that's Broderick Jones of Georgia, Peter Skaronsky of uh, Northwestern, and Paris Johnson Jr. of Ohio State. Right. I don't know if all or any of those guys fall to 17 because it's way too early in the draft process. We still got to see a combine. We still got to see senior bowl. We still got to do all that stuff before people, I think, start to, and also how do teams interview these guys? Cause that also has a huge impact on what right. value teams place on them, you know, but you know, if one of those guys falls down to 17, maybe the Steelers or even gets close to 17 and they say, you know what, that is the guy you want. Maybe you trade up to, you know, a couple picks or here and there to go get that guy. Would that be a key focus? I, I think it should be. I, you know, I think you look at the Steelers, they they spent the least amount of money or second, excuse me, the next to least amount of money on offensive line on the offensive line this year as far as salary cap hits. I, I think that if you're able to get a, a draft pick who can be a cornerstone piece of that offensive line, Mason Cole, he's not the forever center. He's not Marquise Pouncey, but he's he was really good for them. And he helps solidify a lot of things. If you could get a, a guy who you could balance the whole le- the rest of the line off because they're that dominant, I think it allows you to do much more with what you're able to do. Because, like for example, like you said, Dan Moore Jr. You you know that when he's up against the Miles Garrett, say, you, that that's the prime position: left tackle versus the the right the right edge rusher. That's where a lot of the best edge rushers in the NFL are going to line up. And when Dan Moore is there, you have to scheme to help him. A bunch. You need running backs, tight ends, Kevin Dotson sometimes. But if you have a guy like, uh, you know, Andrew Thomas for for the for the Giants, you know, when they got him, he had another Georgia offensive tackle, uh, you can say, you know what, we don't got to worry about that. You go handle that. We're gonna do this over here, and, and that's what the Steelers were able to do with David DiCascio and Marquise Pouncey, and for a time, Marcus Gilbert was to say, you know what, in run games, we know these guys are gonna go work, and pass protection, we know these guys are gonna go to work. And that allows the rest of the offense to kind of balance itself and focus on winning in other matchups. And I, I do agree with you. I think that this still should be a priority. They shouldn't overreach. They shouldn't try to trade up to the top five and give up that second-round pick that they got from the Bears or anything like that. Um, but if they're in a position where one of those guys are available, I, I think it's tough to pass that up unless you see another superstar quality guy at like another important position like corner, linebacker, or defensive line. Um, and, and, and again, I think you know, Ray – Best player available is usually the the, the route that you want to go, but right. with the way that they're building right now, it's it, it would be tough to pass up on an offensive line, especially with the importance of running the football that this team this team seems to be placing and how it's building its roster. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the top three guys. I've taken I've taken the first steps to to look at some of those guys on tape this year. I, I think Skaronsky is the best uh, of mm-hmm. that trio. Um, a lot of people have talked about um, him having short arms and maybe a move to the inside in, in the NFL. I'll tell you what, he is really smooth, Chris. I yeah, mean, he's, he he's got the feet to play left tackle. Mm-hmm. And if, if there's just one thing you want to look at, it's how he handled Hutchinson when Hutchinson was at Michigan and Skaronsky, I think, was still a sophomore. I think he's a junior now. Um, the, the work he did against Hutchinson – uh, was really, really good. So I think he's number one. I think there's going to be a lot of debate about Paris, you know, versus Broderick Jones. Yeah. I, I kind of think Broderick Jones is just a little bit ahead for me right now. I think his his footwork is a little bit better if you're looking at this guy to be a left tackle. Um, but those are three really good prospects. And as you know, 
the elite left tackles uh, go early. Um, you know, the quarterbacks are going to be pushed up draft boards. That always happens. But when you stack uh, the positions, like guys who go in the top 10 or top 15, it's always edge rushers, right? And it's usually offensive tackles after that. You might get an outlier guy like a sauce gardener who goes top five because he's a, he's a great corner. And that, that was proven out this year. You might see an outlier with a receiver every once in a while, like a Jamar chase going in the top five, but by and large, you're looking at quarterbacks, offensive tackles and edge rushers who command those top spots. So uh, we'll see if any of those three last until 17, but that's kind of how I'm looking at those top three right now. I like Skaronsky, Jones, and then Jones. We'll see how that plays out, and it's a long draft process. And like like Ray said, he'll be at the Senior Bowl. Probably you'll be at the Combine, probably uh, as well. I presume there's going to be a lot of coverage that we bring he- to you here for all you draft nerds on on the Steelers and what they do this year. So stick with us. But we also got to talk about the playoffs because there's a lot of madness that happened this week, and I want to get Ray's thoughts. We'll do that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast here from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. But first, we're going to talk to you guys about Valley Pool and Spa as it's getting cold again. It's starting to get frigid out there. One of the best ways to deal with that is just have a nice hot tub or a swim spa or a sauna from Valley Pool and Spa right in your own home. And you go to Valley Pool and Spa to get that. You can relax and soak in a hot tub or a swim spa from Valley Pool and Spa. Or you can refresh rejuvenate in one of their Finlayo saunas. It's going to really help you just ease ease into a cold day right in your own home and not have to worry about it. Save big now on all in-stock hot tubs, swim spas, and saunas by visiting valleypoolspa.com. That's valleypoolspa.com. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipaldo, breaking things down. Let's talk about the games that actually happened this weekend. We can, we'll have a lot of time to break down draft stuff all, all offseason. But, uh, Ray, I'm with you. I was watching that, that Niners-Seahawks game and how that one went, and then the start of the Chargers-Jaguars game. Like, this is going to be a terrible football weekend. All blowouts, and no one's going to. then all of a sudden, the Jaguars come back and win uh, from down 27 nothing. They win 31-30. And then I was like, well, the Dolphins aren't going to compete. The Dolphins go to take the Bills to the mat. The Giants and the Vikings was a slugfest, and Ravens-Bengals went down to the wire. If you let, Let's start with the Ravens-Bengals game. What was your biggest takeaway from the Ravens almost pulling? They were a Hail Mary away yeah. from beating the Bengals, and there's a lot of talk about time management and things like that, but I didn't think that Ravens team should have been competing for that long against the Bengals. No, I mean, honestly, Chris, that would have been a really bad look for the Bengals and for Joe Burrow had they lost to Tyler Huntley. Um, when I look at that game, I look at the Bengals going forward in these AFC playoffs. They were playing with two healthy offensive linemen last night. And three backups. You know, they, yeah. they had three three guys who started the season aren't there anymore, and they're trying to fill in, um, you know, with guys uh, who are reserves, basically. And the Ravens had four sacks, and I lost count of the number of other times that Joe Burrow escaped pressure through the bowler way or ran or found a receiver. I mean, he, 
he was doing his Houdini act once again. He was. Uh, you know, just to uh, just to get the ball off sometimes. So I worry about the Bengals uh, against the Bills next week. I know the Bills aren't a great defense. We saw that uh, really yesterday against the Dolphins. That's, you know, that's an okay defense. Yeah. Maybe the Bengals can get by one more week, but eventually, Chris, it's going to catch up to you. I mean, we we saw it last year in the Super Bowl. Um, They couldn't protect Joe Burrow, and that's that's why they lost the game. So they only scored 17 points against the Ravens. I know the Ravens have a good defense, but I think eventually that's going to keep up. uh, It's going to catch up to them. And, uh, you know, lots of criticism for John Harbaugh mm. as we sit here on Monday. I mean, I, I think it's warranted, but you also have to give that guy credit for, for getting his team ready. Right there. To even be in a playoff game with Tyler Huntley as his quarterback. I mean, it's um, they, they have a good system down there. We could talk probably another, another day about Lamar Jackson and that whole drama. Yeah. We will. That is crazy. Lamar Jackson not going with the team and to the playoff game. There's a lot to dissect with that. But you're absolutely right. The Ravens with Tyler Huntley, that that entire team is built around Lamar Jackson on him succeeding, right? And for them to go toe-to-toe and come down to a Hail Mary pass against the Bengals, who haven't lost since Halloween, I I do think the Bengals should be on red alert because uh, styles make fights. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a different game. It doesn't mean that the Bills are definitely gonna beat them next week because, like you said, the Bills almost lost to the Dolphins themselves. But you, you look at, at at a few things there, the pressure that they were to give up. You know, the Bills are gonna have Ed Oliver ready to go. They're gonna bring Matt Milano. They're gonna be they they may not have Vaughn Miller because he's been out for the season, but they're gonna try to generate that pressure. And they've got playmakers off the ball uh, like Tre'Davious White, like Jordan Poyer. Uh, you know, guys Tremaine Edmonds, guys that are gonna be able to kind of make plays if they if the if they make mistakes. And you know, we saw in the game against the Dolphins, Josh Allen was making mistakes, but you saw him just like Trevor Lawrence bouncing back in that situ- in that situation. Yeah. I, I do think it's going to be very interesting for them. But I, I think across the board, we saw the mix of how teams are winning in very different ways. You see, you know, the uh, the Bills, Josh Allen throwing three touchdowns despite throwing two interceptions. You see Trevor Lawrence, four interceptions to start, four touchdowns to finish. Uh, but you see teams like the Niners running the football. And yes, brought pretty through three touchdowns, but a lot of that was set up, I thought, by their dominance at the line of scrimmage. The right. Giants, the way that they won with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley using their legs right. to kind of create things. I, I think it kind of shows that people who – anyone who perceives the NFL to only be winnable by teams that have super quarterbacks, I, I think are missing the point. And this is, again, why I do think what the Steelers are trying to do right now could make them more competitive in the next couple of years. Absolutely. You look at the Giants, um, it's obvious – the, the coaching matters in the NFL. Yeah, he's done a great job. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Saquon Barkley has had injury issues since he entered the league. Um, uh, but, I, you know, Brian Dable going there, um, winning with Daniel Jones and Saquon ba- Barkley, who was, who was a top pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. You look at the 49ers and the capital that they invested in acquiring Christian McCaffrey yep. and the importance of that running game. And uh, obviously the 49ers have – one of the best, if not the best defenses in the NFL. So, yes, there are a lot of parallels with how the Steelers are built and are building their team. I mean, it's not it's not hard to envision the Steelers doing similar things with Najee Harris and, 
you know, that defense holding teams to, uh, what was it, 17 points or fewer yeah. uh, eight times in the final nine games. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that, that's the blueprint. You know, obviously there are teams like the Chiefs and the Bills and uh, potentially the Jaguars and, and the Bengals who have those quarterbacks who can play a different style. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought you gave two great examples with the Giants and the 49ers. You could scheme it up a different way, and as, you long, as long as you have a, a good to great defense – you can get into the postseason. You can do some damage once you get there. And I'm very intrigued to see how the rest of this postseason plays out. We still have to see the Cowboys play the Buccaneers and you know where that game goes. But you're going to see those Niners take on the winner of that game. You're going to see the Giants going to Philadelphia. The Eagles, for as much as Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown have earned a lot of praise, they, they have been built by building in the trenches. Their offensive line dominates. It allows things to be easier for them. And then the defensive line you know, creates a lot of havoc which is why I think the Steelers went and got Andy Weidel, their guy that helped build that that, that roster uh, and added him to their front office. I, I want to talk more about what the Steelers got to do to be one of those teams in the in the coming years. And we'll have we'll have different versions of this conversation. But still, I think it's it's fascinating to me when, when we get to see how other teams are winning and how we get to talk about can the Steelers find ways to translate their own ways to get those kind of playoff wins, which they haven't had since the 2016 or 20, excuse me, 2017 divisional round when they beat the Chiefs uh, in, in January of that year. We'll talk about that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drop podcast. But first, we're going to talk to you guys about Yinzers in the Berg. Yinzers, listen up. The Steelers campaign may be over, but you can still get all your favorite gear for them, as well as the Penguins who are who are getting. We're hearing that the Chris Letang might be coming back soon. You want to gear up for Penguin season or get any Pittsburgh sports gear, you go to Yenzes in the Berg. And there are two stores that they have in the Strip District that you can visit at any point in time. Check, check them out. Go there. Or if you can't get to the Strip District, that's all right. They got you because they got YenzesPGH.com. Go to YenzesPGH.com. You'll find all the Pittsburgh sports apparel that you need for yourself or a friend or a loved one that you want to buy. That, that you want to buy gifts for they have all sorts of Steelers pirates penguins pit gear everything Pittsburgh sports they've got there at Yinzers in the Berg so check out Yinzers in the Berg the two stores in the strip district or check them out at yinzerspgh.com that's yinzerspgh.com for all your Pittsburgh sports apparel back here on the North Shore Drive podcast Chris Carter Ray Fittipato Ray, let's go into this more because we we were kind of dipping into it at the end of that last segment there, talking about how these teams are winning. There's teams that are winning in different ways. I, I think for much of the 2010s and the start of the 2020s, there was a big focus on, well, you just need the, the Patrick Mahomes or the Josh Allen or the Aaron Rodgers or the Joe Burrow. Uh, you, you need one of those guys to be a superpower and to be a real contender. But I think we've seen with – some of the teams that have made the strides they have. Heck, the, the Rams last season, Matt Stafford was a good quarterback for them, but he wasn't the biggest part of the engine that made everything go. Aaron Donald, that defense had, had a big part of that, and they had a really good balanced roster to make things happen. But we're seeing teams like the Niners winning with a with a rookie quarterback. We're seeing teams like the Giants win with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley kind of being the guy. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins was their leading receiver in that in, for the Giants against against the the Vikings. Uh, you know, no one, no one, no, unless you're a football junkie, you don't even know who that is. But I look at the way that these teams are winning and the way the Steelers are structured with uh, a lot of investments on defense and probably more to come to solidify some of the things that might need to change the offseason. You know, the run game and the one-two punch of Najee Harris um, and Jalen Warren. I I think that the Steelers, 
a lot of people, whenever the Steelers don't make the playoffs, they say, oh, they're they're forever away from competing against any of these teams. I, I think the Steelers could have competed with and maybe even beaten any of the AFC teams that we saw this this past weekend, if they play the way they are against Styles, make fights, you know, the, the Bills aren't guaranteed to play the way they played against the Dolphins. But I think you put the Steelers in that arena, the way they play football, they might be able to pull out some of those games. And if they're better next year, granted, other teams will work to get better too, but I think that they stand a good chance to be toe-to-toe with a lot of those squads. Yeah, I mean, listen, Chris, nothing is guaranteed, but there's every reason the way the Steelers finish this season – that they could be in a position next year where they're in the playoffs or, you know, on the verge of maybe being one of those teams. Um, now, the only thing is, and I caution people, and this is a very important point, early in the season they had a ton of bad injury luck. Late in the season, um, like the Giants yesterday, their injuries were not a factor. And that's why I, I would have given them, um, you know, a puncher's chance in Buffalo yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they were healthy and they were playing their best ball of the season. It doesn't always work out that way. The way I kind of look uh, at this 2022 season was almost like that 2015 season. They weren't a great team during the regular season. They had to get on, get in on the final day, and then they go into Cincinnati and win. They were in a position to beat the Broncos on the road. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is once you get there, once you get a seat at the, at the dance table – Anything can happen. And I thought this was one of those years for the Steelers. Had they gotten in, you know, they might not have won a game, but I think they certainly would would have, you know, put up, um, you know, a representative effort. So, you know, I I think they're closer next season as they enter the season than they were last year at this time. But, again, a lot plays into that, Chris. Injuries, you know the deal. you got to have your best players healthy at the end of the season. And, you know, as we talked about last segment, one of the reasons I kind of don't see the Bengals advancing um, back to the Super Bowl again this year. You know, they kind of got injuries working against them. They do. I mean, their offensive line is being depleted. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing that they were able to, to do, I mean, also, let's let's talk about, you know, the biggest moment of that game. You know, Huntley trying to go over the top. And just like Najee Harris, the ball gets punched out. And the Bengals flip a quarterback sneak on second and goal from the one to a 99-yard touchdown return without that play, even if the the Bengals hold them two more times and they kick a field goal. Without that play, we still may be looking at a Ravens win and talking about the biggest upset of the weekend with that that moment. And not to say that the Bengals don't deserve credit for making that play because, again, you got to make big-time plays and big-time moments. But I, I agree with you. They're they're a situation, and again, they're the team that everyone's saying the Steelers. You know, they're going to run the division for quite some time. Like, well, they're they're running out of time, I think, to capitalize on the window of Joe Burrow's rookie contract because this was this is what his third year in the NFL. He's got two more years on that deal. Um, you know, for all the talk about how the Steelers have the most expensive defense in the NFL, you know who had the second most expensive defense in the NFL? It was the Cincinnati Bengals, and. When you start have to paying Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, because his contract will come up shortly after that, and you'll still have to pay T. Higgins and a lot of questions there, you're going to have to revamp a lot there. And not that the Bengals won't be competitive because Joe Burrow and those guys will still be there, but there's going to be a lot of changing of guards there at several different key position groups, like Jesse Bates, who made a huge play, I thought, on a goal line stand where he read a tight end screen and stuffed the, the Ravens and held them to a field goal at the end of the first half. 
you're not going to be able to keep all those guys. And I just think that if the Steelers keep building upwards in their trajectory, their chance to win within Kenny Pickett's rookie contract bubble where they're going to be able to invest in another position might make them right right in the you put them right next to the Bengals sooner than sooner than we think absolutely if you go back and look at the way the Bengals have spent the last couple of years mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to say they overspent for Mike Hilton they got a really good player but they're paying him 24 million dollars it's a lot of money for a slot over four years for basically um, I know he plays a lot of snaps but I, I think even this year he only started half the games you know he's going to come in and sub packages made a nice uh, tackle again yesterday. I don't know if, if, you, if you saw that, but again, mm-hmm. coming off the edge and run support, he's great. But those are the types of contracts when you have a franchise quarterback, those are kind of luxuries, right? And, yeah. you know, we, we saw the Steelers move on from Mike Hilton and they prioritized Cam Sutton two years ago mm-hmm. and they got Cam Sutton for much less. They got Cam Sutton for $9 million over two years. Now, I, I know they're going to have to pay Sutton now. I mean, Sutton yeah. – by far exceeded the expectations of that contract. Absolutely. Um, and he's going to be the top, you know, priority among the Steelers pending free agents. But that just goes to show you, you know, when, when you, uh, you know, have a guy like Ben Roethlisberger taking up a lot of your cap space, you have to make decisions like that. And sometimes you have to let a good player go and sort of backfill with guys who are unproven as Sutton was a couple of years ago. He's proven now. Yeah. Um, you kind of get the drift, right? I mean, so the, those are the types of decisions that the Bengals are going to have to start making with Joe Burrow. You know, you got really good players on that defense, but they cost a lot of money, and you just you can't do that when you have a franchise quarterback, like you pointed out. That's a great point. And you don't think of it that way, right? You think, oh, Joe Burrow's 20, 24, 25. Their window's open for, for 10 more years, how he sort of explained it the other day. Yeah, the win, That's yeah. not how, always how it works. You know, you you got to have good players around you, and they're going to have to figure out ways to do that when he's making, you know, $45, $50 million a year. Yeah, and the Steelers went through that with Ben Roethlisberger. You know, early on, they could afford to have the best defense in the NFL. They could pay to get every every role player that you want uh, when you're paying it. But eventually, when you had to pay him the big bucks, you know, they were able to keep that crew together for a little bit. But, you know, in the early 2010s, you know when those guys fizzled out and they you know their 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 careers were coming to an end it took time to rebuild and get the guys and rebuild a team while keeping Ben Roethlisberger on your roster and it happens to every you saw the Aaron Rodgers with the Packers uh you know you you're I think you're going to see it soon with Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes and Josh you're even kind of seeing it already with Mahomes in that you know they can't keep all the superstars together they can't keep right. they couldn't keep Tyreek Hill um you know that that stuff's naturally going to happen and you know to your point about Mike Hilton and uh and Cameron Sutton Mike Hilton goes goes out and they're getting paid they're they're kind of similar cap hits this year but Mike Hilton like you said is a run stuffing uh, slot corner, and he's really nice to have on your roster because, like you said, he brings you those energetic moments, and he's really solid there. But Cam Sutton is a slot corner who could cover in the slot, cover outside, help you. And say he masks up so many other things, and he's a good tackler. Um, right. So I, I think that what the Steelers do, doing there, you're you're right. There's luxuries that the Steelers that the Steelers weren't able to afford before, and also even this year with about thirty six million dollars in dead cap from Ben Roethlisberger's contract, Stephon Tewitt's contract, right. um, Juju Smith-Schuster, all the money that they've kind of been pushing that they kind of got pushed down the road. A lot of that comes off the books at the end, uh, you know, going into next season. So they're going to be the team that can spend on some luxury picks, and I think it'll be fun to talk about in the coming weeks, Ray. 
what yep. positions maybe some of that extra money goes to. Let's do it. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, Ray. Thanks so much. You see him there at the Steelers facility while no one else is. That's because Ray's the hardest working man in, in showbiz out here. Ray, thanks so much for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm Chris Carter. We're both from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Go to post-gazette.com to get all of our, all, all of our updates on everything Pittsburgh sports and Pittsburgh news. You can check out this show, the North Shore Drive podcast, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, right here on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And we've got daily content coming out from all of our sports people. I'll be back Wednesday talking more things Pittsburgh sports right Right here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive Podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.